0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco, leaf, or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com active cash. The Three and Out podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There is no better place to bet every moment more than with FanDuel. With football ending, we have the NBA rolling, March Madness right around the corner, and my personal favorite, betting on the PGA Tour. I cannot recommend it enough. You get winnings fast and winnings are also delivered in under 2 hours. It's a fun to combine multiple bets from the same game parlay, no big deal. NBA, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, that would be what I would do. If you are new, just download the FanDuel app to get started now, sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on everybody? John Middlecock, Three and Out Podcast. Coming at you live on a Monday afternoon. What is happening, my people? A lot going on. we got an NFL player and a gambling scandal. We have Aaron Rodgers going to pick his team. Maybe, as you're listening to this, you guys already know, Russell Wilson, Derek Carr, free agency right around the corner. I have. I want to bring up something called cap casualties that we don't talk about often, but it's, at least on the outside, in the NFL, it's a really big thing. And then I'll just kind of bounce around some other NFL stories. Chiefs doing some franchise tagging, the Browns, Herb Street going to Amazon Prime. Uh, Of course, 3 and Out podcast. Make sure you subscribe to my feed. If you like this show, subscribe to the 3 and Out feed. Also, if you want to get your question answered here on the show, at John Middlecoff that's my name, Instagram, slide up into those direct messages and get your question answered here on the Tuesday show. And also, we'll not on Fridays, we push on the weekend. But I will do mailbag questions on today's show. Uh, saw a bunch in the inbox earlier. So, at John Middlecoff, 3 and Out podcast. If you listen on Collins feed, make sure you subscribe. And uh, let's talk some football. <laughs> Okie dokie, we had a little breaking news. Right before we hit the record button. And it was a topic that I find pretty fascinating. Uh, and it was something that you just do not hear every day. Now, obviously, the landscape of gambling has greatly changed. Not just in the National Football League, but in professional sports. Every league, football, baseball, basketball, golf, you name it. Besides some of the international markets where they've been gambling on sports forever. But domestically, here in America, we have dramatically pivoted, right? Right gambling's become legal, similar things have happened with marijuana. When I was a kid, my parents talked about marijuana like crack. Now, it was a little different with gambling because, uh, you know, I knew a lot of people growing up that gambled. Now, obviously, you had to go to Vegas, casinos, depending where you live, if you live in the Northeast, Jersey. But gambling has become much more mainstream. And the NFL specifically, because it's the number one thing we bet, and it's by far the best sport to bet, uh, has embraced it. And the NFL embracing it and getting in bed and doing business with these people, the players benefit. You know why? Because they have a revenue sharing system that the revenue coming in, they split with the players. Television revenue, gambling revenue, you name it. But the number one thing that you can't have going back to Pete Rose, going back to the Black Sox, going back to Tim Donaghy when he screwed They were, at the time, my Sacramento Kings. I don't even pretend to like them anymore. They're a joke franchise. But when he screwed the Sacramento Kings, because he was in bed with the mob, you can't have people involved with your sport, coaches, officials, and specifically players, gambling on your product. You have to separate church and state in this situation. So Calvin Ridley, who is a very, very talented player, had a very bizarre season just left the team for quote-unquote mental health reasons no one really knows beside him and maybe the team why but he just disappeared you know he missed a bunch of games last year and it was announced today that he bet on the Falcons on several three five and eight team parlays and as someone it's if you've listened to me for a while you know I think this space is very fraudulent I think a bunch of media people, have you followed them? A lot of them are like scared of their own shadow. And now they are in business with gambling companies. Like, you guys don't bet. I've been betting for 20 years. Now, some people do. And we know it's very easy to spot the people that actually gamble on sports. I, I just hate, Yeah, I just think you're very fraudulent if you talk about gambling and you won't actually put your own money on different games. Now, I don't care how much you put, whether it's $100, whether it's $5, whether it's Drake putting $300,000 on a UFC fight. But if you're not gambling and you're trying to talk about it, I think you're a fraud. But the NFL, and listen, on social media, it's right now, is like they are so hypocritical. When Calvin Ridley got caught, it's a little weird, uh, at least the information that we have right now when I'm recording this, how he got caught. Uh, I guess he placed a bet through Florida. Through a specific sports book online, and that sports book is the one that gives the NFL their information. Maybe they flagged his name, the NFL caught wind of it. They suspended him for a season. And you're gonna see a lot of different media people say it's too harsh, paint Calvin Ridley as the victim. He is not the victim. You have to come down harsh, you have to make an example out of the situation because it's a pretty nominal amount. He bet $1,500, right? For a guy that was set to make $11 million, money's all relative, right? Some people, if you're betting $10, well, if you're only making $200 a week, it'd be a lot of money. If you go, uh, you know, some guy's worth $100 million and he's betting $10, it's not very much. That's why some people, you know, you you hear, read some of these stories about Phil Mickelson, he's betting seven figures on NFL games. Well, he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's not necessarily about the amount of money you bet to win. It's you can't have your players, you can't have your coaches, you can't have your executives, and you can't have your officials betting on the game. That, that cannot happen. We say it all the time during the season how it feels like some of these games are rigged. And that's with the officials who, you know, you hope aren't gambling on the game, but if that ever came out, they would have massive, massive implications. So I have no problem with Roger dropping the hammer on Calvin Ridley. I think Calvin Ridley, there, when I was in the NFL, when gambling was illegal... And the NFL was not involved. It was specifically told in training camp to players, to scouts, to coaches, gambling will not be tolerated. You cannot do that. Whether it's a dollar or whether it's $100,000, you're not allowed to gamble. There is 100% uh, zero doubt in my mind that he knows right and wrong in this situation. And he pushed the envelope and he got caught. And now he got suspended for a year. And part of getting suspended for the year is he's the first. And you have to send the message to the rest of the league. This will not be tolerated. We're all going to profit from this. This is going to be lucrative for everyone involved. Hell, I'm in bed with these gambling companies. It's lucrative for everyone right now. And who knows if it stays at this level. But gambling's not going to go away, specifically with the NFL. I'm a little hesitant. I think the NBA and like the Major League Baseball... like. I don't think we're going to gamble on your sports, but we're gambling on the NFL. We've gambled on it before I was born. and We'll gamble on it well after I'm gone. So the NFL knows this. Their players need to know this. We're all going to profit off it. We can't be involved on it. We're just going to take the profits, right? We're not going to place any bets because we can't with the integrity of the sport. And Calvin Ridley, he's a moron. I mean, period, point blank. That that cannot happen. He did it. Uh, and now he's paying the price for it. uh, A $1,500 bet cost him $11 million. Calvin Ridley is a big-time talent. Now, clearly, he's got some off-the-field issues separate from this that he had to figure out uh, disappearing from the team last year. But when on the field, Calvin Ridley is a high-end talent. And now we're not going to see him for a year. And I think it puts everyone else in the league on notice. And to me, that's a positive thing because you could not have this happening. Uh, Some other things that I wanted to talk about well before. Listen, the Aaron Rodgers situation... I, I'm ready for it to be over. Uh, I, you know, By the time you're listening, maybe there's clarification. Maybe he's announced. I mean, he claimed, I guess, I don't know if he specifically claimed, but there have been rumors that he was going to make a decision before the, the tag deadline, which is tomorrow at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific, uh, obviously because that impacts his teammate, Devontae Adams, who I, obviously if Aaron Rodgers is going to stay, Devontae's going to stay. But they will need to tag Devontae more than likely. Like it's uh, There are a lot of moving parts. If Aaron Rodgers were to announce he's leaving, a.k.a. I demand a trade, you got to get rid of me, and they're going to trade him, it would be one of the biggest moments in sports. He's a multiple-time MVP. It'd be like, you know, it's a little different because LeBron was a lot younger. But LeBron's decision is one of the, you know, uh, tipping points in professional sports. Star quarterbacks do not announce they're going to leave for free agency. Brady did it, but he was 43 years old. Peyton Manning got cut. Aaron Rodgers, after winning back-to-back MVPs, his team has been back-to-back number one seeds. He plays for the Packers, an absolute powerhouse brand. They're willing, I mean, all reports, they're willing to pay him $50 million a year It's clearly his best chance to win. He loves his coach. It feels like he's integrated back in with the front office and they're on the same page. He has by far the best teammate he's ever had who happens to be a wide receiver. Uh, It would be pretty nuts. It really would. Now, if he leaves, like, cool for me. I mean, I'm open to talk about it. But I'm an NFC guy over an AFC guy. I hope he stays with the Green Bay Packers. I know uh, you better believe Fox. Hope he stays with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if he were to leave, though, it would it would have somewhat, I, I think it would be a LeBron decision type moment. Now, there are also people, in Mike Sandoz's article today on The Athletic, he had a quote from a personnel director that says, Rodgers has the Packers right where he wants them. And the way I took that is a little bit like the way that Clutch and LeBron operate when they're on the Cavs or the Lakers. They're like the puppet master. They're telling them everything that they want them to do. And they have all the juice. And right now, and let's face it, it is very, very rare in the NFL, unlike the NBA, because even non LeBron, like a lot of players have juice. Steph Curry's brother in law is on the team. He's not any good. Uh, James Harden gets to do whatever he wants wherever he goes. Kevin Durant does whatever. In the NBA, it's very, very normal for the top six, seven players in the NFL or the NBA to tell their management. Coaches and general managers, exactly what they want, who they want, and when they want it. And those teams immediately capitulate. In the NFL, that's not the way it works. The greatest player of all time had no sway in his own organization and with his head coach slash general manager. Belichick never gave a shit what Tom Brady wanted. Tom Brady had to wait till he was 43 years old, went to Tampa Bay to have people listen to him. The NFL is not one to just give in. If you watch the Joe Montana documentary, Bill Walsh didn't give a shit about Joe Montana's feelings, his desires, or anything about him. Right? That, that's not the way NFL people think. And honestly, it's been healthy for the league that way. But the Packers are a little are in a weird spot. They have no, you know, uh contingency plan. Jordan Love is not a good player. And I, I do think they're kind of stuck. So whatever he's going to demand. Gudakins, and it's not the worst thing. You keep Aaron Rodgers, you bring in some of his people, and who knows what he's gonna demand if that's the case. But I think it's fair to say we saw last year he had some demands and they listened. We saw when he gave that press conference when he came back from training camp that he didn't feel like they listened to him. And some of it made sense. Like, hey man, if you're gonna cut this fringe wide receiver and I think he can help us, why wouldn't you ask me, my, you know, what I think? I'm the guy throwing to this guy. And that made sense. But do I want this guy to like have impact on who my backup special teams corner is? And maybe he's not asking for that. I don't know. Maybe it's just as simple as, hey, man, I'm just going to ask for a couple things on offense. I'm going to throw this out there. I want you to listen to me. And to me, if that's the case, it's pretty easy. I want you to stay. I'll listen to you. And let's try next year or in the next couple years to win a ring. But if he leaves, you know, I think Bronco fans would uh, be pretty damn happy. And I think the Packers would be somewhat SOL because I don't know what they would do at quarterback. They'd have a lot of picks, but here's the thing: unlike when you trade Jamal Adams or when you trade some of these positional players, there is no guarantee that that team's going to be any good. And we've seen time and time again that when you have these big trades with players, it you know that team doesn't that team kind of gets screwed, right? That team ends up getting a pick in the top fifteen when you trade a quarterback. Look at the Lions. The Lions traded Matt Stafford for two first-round picks. The first pick they're receiving is pick 32. So if, you, if you're forced to trade Aaron Rodgers to the Denver Broncos, that pick is at minimum going to be in the 20s. So you would never trade Aaron Rodgers for three picks in the 20s. But that's part of the deal. And I, ideally, if he forces your hand, like that's not what you want to do. And with other quarterbacks, like it's pretty clear that the NFL, the NFL teams are blowing up Seattle about Russell Wilson. And there were also reports about teams blowing up the Raiders about Derek Carr. Now listen, like Aaron Rodgers, no different with Seattle and with the Raiders. If you take away Russell Wilson and you take away Derek Carr, who the hell is playing quarterback? This is not some random position. This is not a star tight end or a star safety. This is your quarterback. If you don't have one, you will immediately suck. Immediately be competing to draft in the top 10. So if I'm these teams no matter how great the offers are, and let's face it, the offers for Russell Wilson are probably outrageous. There might be, Howie Roseman might be calling Seattle and being, listen, I'll give you my three first round picks this year. I'll give you my first round pick next year. I'll give you Jalen Hurts to hold you over and I'll give you another third round pick. Like that is a lot. That is enough to, you're going to have a meeting this week. There are meetings happening in Seattle and with the Raiders. Why? Because when you have these, if you live in a, a home, Let's say your home, especially now, it's all-time highs. Let's say you have, you bought your home back in the day for 600 grand. And right now, it's worth $1.8 million if you wanted to sell it. Well, if someone knocked on your door right now and offered you $3 million for your home, you'd go, damn, that's a lot. But then you go, well, I don't really want to leave the community. And I live, I need somewhere to live. I kind of like my home. I don't, you know, I would like the money, but then I would just have to buy another home that is really expensive too. Like, I don't really, what's, I don't want to do this transaction. And that's where ultimately I think Seattle and even the Raiders are going to fall. Like, could they get, especially the Raiders. I mean, could the Raiders get two first round picks and two second round picks and a player for Derek Carr? Sure. But then who's going to play quarterback for Josh McDaniels? The the, the quarterback draft sucks. Uh, like, who's anyone going to, you know, the commanders want him. They have no quarterback to give you. The only thing that would make sense would be like a Russ-Derek, some sort of swap, but what's the point in doing that? So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the the offers on all these quarterbacks are probably insane, are absolutely outrageous, but you still need someone to play quarterback for you, right? So that's where I think that if we don't see any of these star veteran quarterbacks move uh, beside Deshaun Watson, and even I was reading Albert Breer today, maybe it was Peter King, that wrote, the problem is these teams do not feel comfortable trading for Deshaun Watson at the premium of three first-round picks and two second-round picks when he has these legal situations hanging over him, right? It's If I'm going to break the bank for your quarterback, which I would gladly do if he didn't have this off-the-field baggage, and it makes it very, very complicated because the Texans are the one team they want to get rid of him because he doesn't want to play there, and it's just time to move on. These other teams need someone to play quarterback for them. Oh, my God. The Players' Championship is back with one of the best fields in golf. And now you can take a shot at the Island Green with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get 30-1 to odds on the defending champion Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, and Olympic gold medalist Xander Shoffley to make the cut At the players. That's right. If any of those players make the cut at TPC Sawgrass, you win $150 on a $5 bet. Also, if you want to bet on the players. I like John Rahm to win. I like Xander and Brooks Koepka to top five. Get in on that action because I'm going to be gambling it. There's no better time to get in on the action with FanDuel Sportsbook. So set up. So step up to the tee and take a swing at betting the players Championship. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app with promo code Colin to get 30 to 1 odds on JT, Colin, and Xander to make the cut at the players. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. FanDuel Sportsbook, official betting operator of the PGA Tour. 21 and present in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Refund issued as non withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund $10. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile and web. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT-STEP to 533 42 arizona 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for con- confidential help. Michigan, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789.
0: Tennessee visit www.1800gambler.net. West Virginia
1: Terms and conditions apply. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online, and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. bowl flavor? And speaking of free agency, right? Free agency is where you pay a premium for good. Yet, you really just like want to pay a premium for great? Jerry Jones said years ago, I've never been disappointed paying a premium for a premium. You see it with Dak Prescott. They paid a premium for Dak Prescott. The problem is Dak Prescott is not Aaron Rodgers, is not Patrick Mahomes, is not Josh Allen. It's why he leaves a little to be desired, right? Right? It's like if you paid a, if you bought a house over the last year or you've bought into the stock market over the last year, specific stocks, you paid a premium, and right now, you know, the house, you're probably good. The stock market, you'd be down. <laughs> it, it would be a problem. And when you go into free agency, because the top players do not hit free agency, that does not happen. Look, look at the top players in the NFL. If, if they do move teams, they are traded, right? Khalil Mack, Jalen Ramsey, those type players, they are moved. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Miles Garrett, just even non-quarterbacks, they never sniffed free agents. Even a guy like Stephon Diggs, he was traded for a first-round pick. Trent Williams demanded to leave, and that's how he moved teams. He, he does not, he, last year he hit free agency only because during the trade, they had to put in the contract language that he couldn't have been franchise tagged. Because if he could have, the 49ers would have franchise tagged him because they almost lost him. Guys like Trent Williams never hit free agency. So the type players that are in free agency are players that teams, every team has the same amount of money. Every team can afford to keep any sweet player. That's why all the great players, even if they do get close, they get franchise tag. Because teams are like, I'm not losing that guy. And the guys that are going to get paid are good players, are good starters. Lakin Tomlinson, the guard for the 49ers. He's going to hit free agency. There is going to be a bidding war on him. He's going to become, because he hit free agency and and all it takes is two or three teams bidding on you to drive up the price, supply, demand. He is going to immediately become one of the highest paid guards in the league. He's a good starter. He's not Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson would never sniff free agency. The Colts wouldn't let him get close, right? Whoever the best pass rusher is on the market will get way more money than his actual talent would demand. You know why? Because the Bosa brothers aren't ever getting to free agency. Khalil Mack never got to free agency. Miles Garrett doesn't get close. So you got to be very, very careful because ultimately you're going to pay top dollar. You're going to pay 175 cents on the dollar for any, you know, first or second day player that you want to acquire. Now, that could be an $8 million player that's really a $4 million player. That could be a $14 million player, that's really a $9 million player. And if the guy is really good and ultimately is an above average starter, you're okay with it. But where you get in trouble in free agency is when the guy turns out not to be good and you paid a premium, then you got yourself problems. And it happens all the time because the NFL is not a plug-and-play leak. It's just not. It's very complicated because schemes, because coaching, because the language from team to team, uh, a lot of coaches think they see something and then they want to change it once they get the player. It it just creates a lot of... Why are just a lot of holes? Unlike, like if I sign a top player in the NBA, for the most part, he's going to do exactly what he did on the last team. If I sign a star third baseman, if he just plays like he did, I just plug and play. He plays third base, I plug him in the lineup. But if I sign a linebacker, and my scheme is a little different, and I ask him to do something different than what he did at his previous spot that made him a good player, then my investment immediately looks terrible. And that's what I think you got to be very cognizant of. And I think GMs and coaches are... But then sometimes they get the player and they're not. And they lose sight of the reason why they signed him and what that guy was good at. And that's why I think we have a lot of just historical misses when it comes to NFL free agency. And part of it is just the amount of money you have to give the player. The other thing that's happening right now, and when, when I worked in the office, <clears throat> you obviously work all season long on the free agents, right? So you kind of split up the free agents between three or four people in your, in your front office and you grade them throughout the season. As you know, you play teams, you write up the whole team, teams that you're not playing, you spend time you know, on the, on the non-weeks when you're advanced scouting or whatever and you have downtime, you, you evaluate all the free agents. Your general manager evaluates all the free agents. Your pro personnel evaluates all the free agents. And basically by the time the season ends, you have everybody graded. And then there's a separate group of players who are under contract, who are not set to be a free agent. But it's pretty clear that because of team's cap space, or because of maybe a team's emerging younger player, that that guy is going to be cut. And in the business, we call him a cap casualty. And you get an idea by the end of the season, and specifically in January, that they're not going to keep this guy at that number. And we talked about it last week. A huge part of the NFL Combine are teams going to players that are on their team, that they want to keep on their team, and telling them, I need you to take a pay cut. Let's say you have a you have a defensive lineman who makes $12 million. And you want to keep him on your team, but you go, I can't afford to keep you at $12 million. I want you to take a $4 million pay cut. And his agent can either say, you know, it's a good spot. You're not going to get a longer term deal on the open market. Take the pay cut. It makes sense. Or you can find a guy like Amari Cooper, who the Cowboys are like, listen, you're either going to take a pay cut or we're going to cut you. And Amari Cooper goes, I'm set to make $20 million. And if I hit the open market, you know, I'll probably not make $20 million. But I know that if I refuse to take a pay cut, someone will give me a three-year deal at maybe $17 million a year and guarantee me more money than the $20 million. So Amari, it's easy for Amari Cooper and his agent to go, no, I'm not going to take a pay cut. So if no one is willing to trade for Amari Cooper which I think is kind of, you know, up in the air right now because teams go, well, I don't really want to pay Amari Cooper $20 million. But let's face it, if you want to acquire Amari Cooper and he gets cut and he hits the free agent market, and unlike free agents, he's a, he's immediately eligible to sign, it's still going to cost you $15, $16 million, and you're going to have to bid against other teams. So it might behoove you just to trade for him and just eat that extra couple million dollars if you have the cap space because it can ensure that you get him on your team. And that's what all these teams are dealing with. So over the next week, we know the free agent crop, which is going to change with the guys that get franchise tagged. And I say it all the time about the franchise tag. The franchise tag is a mechanism and is a huge reason why the NFL is so much more popular than the other leagues. Because star players, like if the NFL was the NBA, Devontae Adams would be gone from the Green Bay Packers because they wouldn't have this mechanism to franchise them. And listen, does franchise suck? A little bit, sure. But you still get paid the average of the top five salaries at your position. And Devontae is going for his third contract. And he's probably a bad example. Orlando Brown and Jesse Bates and some of these other guys that are going to have their first big contract get mad because they go, I want a long-term deal. But they still get paid if you're a left tackle, you know, $18 million for one year. And you're eventually, obviously there's a risk in the NFL. Injuries are just much different than the other sports. But for the most part, You know, the history of guys getting hurt on franchise tax is very, very small. You're still going to get a long-term deal. And I think a lot of these guys cry like poor and foul. Like, oh, this sucks. It doesn't suck that bad. You get paid a premium on your contract. And ultimately, you're still going to end up double-dipping because you're going to sign a long-term contract. So you got the one year, you basically get that year plus another future long-term contract. And I think that keeps a lot of star players on teams. Because as we see in the NBA, there's too much movement. You can't even keep track. There's no teams have any consistency. You know, baseball is somewhere in the middle. Who knows if they're even going to play again. But I I am pro the franchise tag. I think it's a very healthy mechanism for fans. And ultimately, without the fans, there is no booming national football league. Because of the fans, there's all this money. Without them, there's nothing. And I think the cap cuts is going to dramatically change the free agent landscape. And it does every year. We just don't know exactly. I mean, teams have some idea, but every year there are some shockers, and every year there are guys that immediately become top 10 free agents because we didn't think they were going to be on the market, and boom, they're available. Uh, So I'm fascinated. Obviously, Amari would be a name that would jump right to becoming a top 10, 12 free agency immediately if he hits the open market. (laughs) Wanted to bounce around some other league stories. Uh, Kansas City. It looks like they're going to let the Honey Badger hit the open market. And I I think it's part of, you know, the hard part about the NFL is you can really like players. They really like the Honey Badger. I just think, you know, he's 29 years old. He's basically been in the league a decade. He's battled some injuries. You know, is he in his prime anymore? No, but he's still a good player. He's very, very important for them. But for him, you know, how many more contracts is he going to get? He's probably asking for a lot in the Chiefs because... You know, they pay Mahomes so much money. They're going to have to franchise their left tackle. Like, it's, you don't have an unlimited amount of resources because if you have a hard salary cap, it's not a soft cap like the NBA. You can't go over it. It makes it a little difficult. So I think they want them back. And if they get into a bidding war, they're probably going to lose them. And that's part of the league. Like, there's a reason, guys, I mean, you know, there's turnover. It's just a nature of the business. And they franchise, I guess it's not official as of recording this, but all signs point to them franchising Orlando Brown because ultimately, Where else are they going to get a left tackle? I mean, that's just, is he a perfect player? Of course not. That's why they wanted Trent Williams last year. But they've acquired this guy, and he's better than probably anything else they could do. Uh, New England. I saw this story, and I absolutely love it. I think this would be one of the coolest moments of the guy's career. I saw a headline that Bill Belichick has contemplated being the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots in 2022. Let me let me state this. I am all in on that move. Can you imagine if Belichick, who is widely considered, and rightfully so, the greatest defensive mind in the history of the league, all of a sudden becomes the offensive coordinator? And what if their offense is even better? That'd be like uh Guy Fieri. Like, you know, he's probably a bad example, but just who who's just some great chef, just all of a sudden, like, I'm going to start an architecture company. Like, there's a dramatic difference. No one becomes a defensive coordinator and then also becomes an offensive coordinator. That's not the way the... It's basically like opposite professions. Even though it's all football, it's really not football. So if he becomes an offensive coordinator and is good at it, it would be one of the most remarkable things we've ever seen in coaching. Most human beings, anyone listening to this, whatever you do professionally, and let's say you're really good at it, you could not, you know, probably just on the snap of a finger, just dramatically do something else and just dominate it. Now, maybe he would suck and maybe it would show you how difficult it would be, but I would bet on him being pretty good. (laughs) You know, I I would put a wager on their offense. I don't know if it would improve because I think it's fair to say Josh is pretty good at his job, but at minimum, it's not going to get worse. And if he gets better, like what if somehow Bill Belichick has like a top seven, eight offense with Mac freaking Jones as his quarterback. Uh, I am fast. I think it would be one of the most legendary things in the history of sports. Belichick, offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. What if this? Belichick's the offensive coordinator. His son Steve is the defensive coordinator, and they make the playoffs again. I mean, it's just just add to the guy's legacy. Some other stories on the Rams. You know, part of the reason I think Aaron Donald and same with Sean McVay, the the retirement thing was out there. They're both underpaid but Sean McVay was making $10 million. Like, you know, Sean McVay's a $15 to $20 million coach. And that's, I don't think he's officially signed a contract extension yet. That's what he's going to get. And he's well-deserved. He's the face of a franchise. They just won a Super Bowl. They've been to a couple Super Bowls. They're going to be easily one of the betting favorites in the NFC. Well, Aaron Donald was set to make $14 million in 2022. So you're like, okay, I'll put the pieces of the puzzle together. It makes sense why he, threatened to retire. Aaron Donald wasn't about to make $14 million a year. Rumors are now that he's going to make 25 million on a new contract or a reworked extension. $25 million moving forward. Well worth it. Also, Matt Stafford, who is heading into the last year of his contract, is rumored to be in the $45 million range. Again, You know, it's just the going rate for quarterbacks. Last couple years, guys were getting 40, 42, 43. Matt Stafford has, you know, a good season, leads his team to a Super Bowl. He was already always making a lot of money, like $45 million. Here's the problem. I'm not a math major, but if you take $45 million and you take $25 million, pretty sure that adds up to $70 million. The salary cap is not $500 million. So if the salary cap is $210, million, $220 million, 70 million of the salary cap. Now, obviously, you can finagle a little bit. That's just a lot of money to pay two guys. Now, luckily, the way that you can set up your cap, you know, you can push money back, kick the can down the road. And this is where you benefit from having an owner with an unlimited amount of money. Because if you're going to sign extensions with these two guys at a massive amount, the way the NFL works, you have to put all that money into escrow and you have to pay enormous signing bonuses. It's why a couple years ago, when Matt Ryan basically got a hundred million dollars within you know 12 months of signing that huge contract extension, Arthur Blank has a lot of money. And it's kind of why the haves and the have nots, everyone has the NFL, has huge cash flow because of the television revenue deals. But not every owner has just flush with on any given moment, I can cut a hundred million dollar check, 150 million dollar checks. And that is still what separates the owners. And obviously, Stan who cut the $6 billion check to build SoFi. And it's sweet. I recommend anyone checking it out. The place is badass. He also benefits here. He can give his coach $20 million. He can give two players. I mean, he might have to cut $100 million worth of checks the moment he signs these two guys with extension. He doesn't even notice it's gone. So this is where having the big money owners in the NFL, when Steph Curry signs a $200 million deal in the NBA, you pay that over five years, right? You get $40 million this year. You get $40 million next year. That's not the way the NFL works. They have huge signing bonuses. All the guaranteed money has to be paid over, you know, in escrow and basically gets to the player within 12 to 18 months. It it becomes a little more complicated from a cash flow standpoint when you're an owner that doesn't have a lot of, you know, cash. This one, I'm going to hammer this home over and over because, and I, I, you know, it's hard. This is lying season, right, with free agency in the draft. And agents are really pushing out, you know, different stories, it's hard to know what to believe. There is a story, and it's, you know, it's been coming and coming and coming by multiple people that Mitch Trubisky is going to get an eight-figure salary next year. And if anyone, to me, it's one thing, if you're gonna pay a guy $10 million, Andy Dalton got $10 million. And ultimately, you pay a guy $10 million at quarterback. That could be a really, really expensive, you know, backup. You can start a rookie. You can start a second-year quarterback, whatever. But if a team pays Mitch Trubisky, let's just say $20 million and above, even if it's just a one-year deal, to be their quote-unquote bridge starter for a year, that coaching staff might get fired. He is not a good player. He's fundamentally flawed as a passer. He does not have great touch. He does not read the defense very well. There are There's a pass kind of like a... Uh, there are certain passes that Mitch Trubisky doesn't struggle to make, he is incapable of making. And when you're incapable of making certain throws, like the touch pass over a defender between a safety behind him when your offensive player is basically between the two, you cannot function at a high level in the NFL. It's why he really struggled. Occasionally, he can run around and throw a deep bomb. He has a strong arm. He's an athletic quarterback. He cannot pick you apart. We know that. And obviously... You don't need, you know, I'm not expecting him to be Peyton Manning or whatever to be a playoff-level quarterback, but there are things that Jimmy Garoppolo, who is an extremely flawed player, can do that Mr. Trubisky can't dream of doing. So if you're going to pay this guy $15, $20 million, let's say you're the Commanders to be your, or, or the Denver Broncos if you don't get Rodgers, to be your starting quarterback, you will not win next year. It will not happen. You, you know, seven wins, maybe eight wins. You will not go to the playoffs with this guy. The one year, Mr. Trubisky made the playoffs twice. I heard Coward say this. One year they made it at eight and eight. And that was two years ago. And a big reason they did is because the Arizona Cardinals shit the bed. The other year they made the playoffs, Nagy's first year, their defense scored like 10 touchdowns. They had Vic Fangio as their defensive coordinator. They had the best defense in the league. And Mr. Trubisky, you know, at the time, there wasn't that much tape on him. And he still wasn't that great. But I, I can promise you this. If you are looking to Mr. Trubisky to get you through 2022, he will not get you through 2022. Unless you have the number one defense, maybe you can compete for the playoffs. But if you don't, you're not going. And you're not going to sell it to me. Maybe you can sell it to some of your fans, but there was a reason he made $2.5 million last year to play for the Bills. Like, if I'm Mr. Trubisky, I'm just making $5 million, $6 million. Now, I understand if someone offers you $20 million, but the fastest way to get running out of this league is to play once you, once you clear your backup. The best way to hold on to your position for a long period of time is to stay a backup quarterback. Make your $5 million. You could have a 10-year career making $5 million make fifty. million. You take your $20 million, you could be out of the league in a couple years because like, I can't even keep this guy around. The more you play as a flawed backup quarterback, the faster you get exposed and the faster you get run out. I would stay behind the Josh Allens, the Mahomes, the Russell Wilsons, the Matt Staffords, the rest of my career. Once it's clear, I'm not a starting quarterback. You have to have some sort of understanding of who you are. The faster you can figure out who you are, the faster you can survive a long time in the NFL. The Browns, they franchise David Njoku. I think that's a pretty basic move. I mean, they're not going to let him go. Uh, You know, he's a very... He's an explosive player. Uh, I like him. You know, obviously, you know, put him with Jarvis... With Nick Chubb, you know, they should have an explosive offense, get their offensive lines good if Baker's healthy. I think the number one thing we're going to have to watch for the Browns next year is can Baker stay healthy? What will he look like returning from his from his injury? And ultimately, are they going to sign him to a longer-term extension? Because there's not really any middle ground for quarterbacks. You're either kind of a $40 million quarterback or I'm getting rid of you. There's not like, well, I'll sign you to a three-year $60 million deal. You know, and like the NBA, they have mid-level exceptions. In baseball like some right fielders make 15 million, some make 40 million. Quarterbacks for the most part, if you're going to sign a multi-year contract, you're either signing a huge deal or you're just getting one-year deals or you're a backup. And Baker right now after last year is somewhat in limbo. So this year is going to be an enormous year for him either to build back his value and to be viewed as like, okay, we can just win with this guy for the foreseeable future, even if he's like a, you know, a a poor, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo type. Or he's just a lock backup. And I think 2022 is going to be make or break for him. Last but not least is Peter King uh, reported this. I think it's fascinating that all indications are that Kirk Herbstreet is going to be the voice of Thursday Night Football and go to Amazon. And I don't blame him. You know, I think he's had an incredible run. I think we've talked about this before, but college is way harder than the NFL. There are way more players in college football uh, every roster is very fluid, especially now with the transfer portal. For the most part, like if I'm calling Rams, Packers, you know, I, I know a lot of their star players. I have to learn some of the role guys, but their coaching staff, like the, the guys, are just so much more famous. Kirk Herbstreit has literally accomplished everything you could humanly accomplish in the sport of college football. He was a mainstay for the number one show we'll probably ever see in College Game Day. He has called national championships. He calls the Rose Bowl. He's called all the biggest games for decades, for multiple decades. Like, what else can he do? Now it's time to get paid and paid a premium to go to Amazon. Much easier life. It's like, he's done it all. You know, it's not a retirement gig, but it's just a new challenge. Can you imagine also just the taxation of you got to get up bright and early to do college game day, which is awesome. But then he also, those other guys just get to watch games and go home. He has to call a game that night, which has been cool. It's made him a lot of money, but maybe he's just tired of it. Maybe it's just time for a change. And Amazon comes calling, and John Lynch mentioned this at the uh at the combine, like they're offering a lot of money to talk football. And I don't care who you are, you start, even if you make five money's all relative. So you make five, six million dollars, someone offers you triple that, and the work is technically easier. And, and you're already thinking like God. I'm kind of intrigued by this. I'm interested. He's called NFL games the last couple years, that like week 17, 18, right? That uh, you know, the last weekend of college football when, or I mean, the NFL when ESPN has a couple games. Didn't he call the Eagles game this year? Eagles Cowboys. Uh, I forget. I was playing golf at LA Country Club, but it was on in the background. I, I you know, if I'm if I'm Herbie, if I, if I gave him advice, if you're thinking about leaving college football, go, bro. Just just cash in, enjoy, get to work with Bezos. Maybe not personally, but you get to be on Amazon. We're all going to be watching. And uh, you've had an incre- a Hall of Fame collegiate broadcasting career. Are you looking for the hottest gambling advice out there? Check out the Moneyline Monaco podcast, powered by FanDuel. Every weekday, our guy Alex Monaco will give you his best bets, including game picks, props, same-game parlays, and much more. Monaco is in another groove and has won nearly 60% of his bets all time. So don't miss your chance to make some money by downloading the Moneyline Monaco
0: wherever you get your podcast. only on the Volumes Podcast Network. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative, bowl flavor, full pouches. eBay Motors is here for the ride. You know what I remember about my first car? Is that the moment I got it, I wanted to improve it. Because, like most 16 year old kids, you don't exactly get a luxury automobile. So you look at it, you go, well, I need to add some speakers, I need to tint out the windows. at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing. And 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home. And then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo active cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs, and we'll start with GQ. Question. A lot of people on the Twitter.com are making a big deal of the cap increase. I saw it went up to, uh, I think Schefter, one of those guys, put it up. $208 million. But I think players will simply get bigger contracts, and teams won't necessarily keep, acquire more players than before. Am I wrong? I think it just depends on the player, right? If it's Aaron Donald, he's going to get a massive contract. If you don't have the access to get sweet players, you'll sign just three or four more guys. I think it's just dependent on teams. Now, where I think it matters is over the next couple years, once we've uh, got over this Corona huddle, as you see, the NFL dropped all the testing. We've just, you know, I, I saw... I was in the car today and I had McAfee on. I was going... uh Dropping some golf shoes off at the old UPS. I, I do a lot of Amazon ordering, and then I return about ninety percent of the things. But when I see something I like, I'm like, "Oh, I'll order those shoes!" And then I realize I don't really want them when they get here, so I go to the UPS. I was in the car listening to McAfee and AJ Hawk, who was in a plane because he had gone to Backtiari's wedding, where Aaron Rodgers uh, was the guy, you know, who I think married him. And LaFleur was there, and he was telling stories. He said when he was flying back, one of the uh, people on the plane said they're dropping the mask mandates on the plane, which, I mean, feels about a year too late. But, you know, we're not here to talk about COVID. We're we're just trying to talk about uh, football. But, yeah, uh, I think the next couple years, the the cap is going to be enormous. So I think a lot of teams are going to push much, much, you know, enormous contracts down the road because like in three years, the cap could be $260 million. David, I thoroughly enjoy your podcast. I listened to your Saturday mailbag and may be able to contribute to a question that was asked. A listener asked what it takes to become a photographer for the NFL. I had a friend who was in film studies, majors in college, got his master's of the arts in cinematography. This guy's a accomplished photographer. He returned home, Wisconsin, and performed various jobs around the area, mostly filming commercials and doing some occasional film work. This guy's like, uh, you know, a a real film junkie. NFL Films posted a contracting job looking for local cinematographers and photographers to come and work for them during games. My friend submitted his resume and got the gig. For three seasons, he would do Packers home games, Filming for NFL films and occasionally doing still photography work that would then get rolled up on organizations like ESPN or the AP. He was paid on a per game basis for a living action for, for living action filming for live action filming. He was paid on a per frame basis for photography with occasional bonuses, depending on who picked up the photos. So I think you just need to look, looks like uh, NFL films, LinkedIn, you know, indeed, LinkedIn's a partner on this podcast. So, yeah, I would just start looking around. They're always looking for people. feels like a pretty competitive job, you know, if you want to be the next Steven Spielberg of football. But NFL Films changed the game. So, if that can help out the guy that asked about the, uh, how you get involved in, photographing, in photography involved in the NFL on game day. Hey, man, good stuff. Uh, grew up watching the early 2000s Bucks and fell in love with defense. So I got a couple defensive questions. Okay, let's let's talk some some ball. First, I was looking at recent drafts and was reminded that TJ Watt went 30th overall. Is there a guy you're watching to be a defensive star who's under the radar? Second, I got your assessment of arm length for O-linemen. I get your assessment of O-line for for O-linemen. Can you talk about how stockier D-linemen have overcome that to become stars? Thinking of guys like Donald, Sapp, Vitavea, and it's just an interior lineman thing. Under the radar player in this year's draft at defense, uh, there's a guy from Montana State who played quarterback his first couple years. He then transitioned to linebacker. He put up the fastest time at the combine. Now, he's not necessarily a first-round pick, but this guy is a physical freak and can fly. In a league that is spreading out and becoming much more about speed. I don't know the guy's name, but I mean, I've read about him. I'll get his name for the next podcast, but to me, a guy like that, which all of a sudden in a couple years, you're like, God, they got this pro bowler from from Montana State? It could be a guy like that. I think the reason interior offensive linemen... Now, ideally, like, Fletcher Cox has long arms, right? Uh, Eric Armstead and Buckner are long guys. It's because explosive quickness is more important than, like, on the edge, separating with your arms. Now, arm length still does matter, but the reason Aaron Donald dominates: power and speed. When you can get on guys' edges, a center or a guard, you can just beat them in the blink of an eye. At a tackle, we're it's much more of a space game, right? We're one on one. You're coming around the edge inside. Like I, I am three steps away from the quarterback. So if I can get on on your edge or get into you, make contact with you before you even set. I can drive you back. I can make contact with you before you even have the chance to shoot out your arms. I think the combat, guards and centers, and defensive tackles and nose tackles, it's just much more... It it, it happens a lot faster is the best way I could say it. Now, I, I could probably have a defensive line coach or like a pro personnel guy articulate that better, but I think you just... You interact much faster. So Aaron Donald is into the center faster than Vaughn Miller on the edge is into the tackle because the tackle set is way farther back where you're just right over the guy. That, that's, I you know, I don't even know if I'm describing that perfectly, but that's, that's the way. I really enjoyed Better to Be Feared. Any other audible recommendations? I have a couple in the hopper. I had downloaded because my brother went on a long drive probably six months ago and listened to the McConaughey book. And McConaughey reads his own book. You know, I mean, I think one of the stories I heard him probably when the book came out on Howard Stern, I think his dad died having sex with his mom. Like he just gives crazy stories in McConaughey's voice. So the next book I'm going to read is McConaughey's book. First time sliding in the DMs. After three years of listening, I'm a big fan. I'm a Panthers fan and have been growing tired of the constant quarterback rotation. What do you think about the Panthers taking Malik Willis at six? Do you think his comp coming out of college is Josh Allen? At this point, it's come down to me rather watching him on Sunday after seeing the combine than having to watch Sam Darnold. I think under no circumstances can you take Malik Willis at six. Uh, I don't think his comp is Josh Allen at all. Josh Allen was 6'5", 230 pounds. Malik Willis is six feet tall. I, I just would be very, very careful... About taking shorter quarterbacks really, really high. I know that's really become a thing. Listen, I, I have no problem. Uh, he's 22 years old. He has a huge ceiling. You obviously are probably not going to get the guy in the middle of the second round, but I would be very, very careful. Very, very careful. So Malik Willis is a shade over six feet tall. He's 219 pounds. Josh Allen is 235 pounds and six foot five. Now, Josh Allen, like Malik, Josh Allen, had one of the biggest arms of all time. You know, Malik Willis has a good arm, but he's six feet tall. Like, ultimately, your offensive linemen are minimum. Just, you know, it's hard to see over. I think we got to be careful about all these short quarterbacks coming in the NFL. And again, Malik Willis is physically more gifted than Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, in theory, is accurate. And Kyler, while he's smaller than Malik Willis, is much better at playing quarterback. Like Part of Malik Willis is like, is is he going to be a good NFL quarterback? I don't know. If Malik Willis played for the Panthers next year, you guys would be terrible. Six overall, the pressure also that gets put on a guy that probably shouldn't get drafted that high, drafted that high, is insane. You saw it with Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones was much more pro-ready. Now, I understand Sam Darnold is just not very good. Sam Darnold last year was an atrocious player. So I don't I don't blame you for thinking that, but I don't think you can force Malik Willis there. I'm from the Bay Area, born and raised in San Jose. Grew up with Colin, listening to him driving up and down the coast to college at University of Santa Barbara. Still listen to him, and now you. I heard you need a doctor. I'm finishing up my sports medicine fellowship in San Antonio, though the group takes care of the Spurs. I've been cold calling private ortho, sports med groups all over the Bay Area, California. Any connections you have would be hugely appreciated. I don't even, I, my doctor, RIP Elliot Schwartz, love the guy, passed away. I need to get a new doctor in the Bay Area. I'll take care of you for free. I don't do free rides. I got insurance. Um, So I'm, I'm just going to have to go to, back to my doctor in Davis, which is like 45 minutes away to take care of me. This guy, I, I don't really have honestly any, I knew one medical professional around here and God damn he took care of me um i miss him I, I honestly i miss him more as a friend than my doctor but we I, I really do god that i don't even like thinking about that it gets me uh it angers me that he's not around anymore but yeah i, I need to uh i need to find a doctor i i don't i honestly don't have any connections with in the medical community <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't i don't really you know like some people it's like i got i got this good friend he's you know he's he's my age. He's a lawyer, he's a doctor. like those aren't really my friends. <laughs> my friends are like construction workers for some farmers, you know uh, you know just normal people. Alex sending this from my girlfriend's account since I don't have Instagram. I've heard a lot of people ask about your path to becoming a scout and the network it took to get there. I'm curious once you became a scout, did the Eagles teach you the details and attributes of what to look for in each position? Is there some sort of program they put you through? also, who would you say is your biggest influence on how you see the game? I learned football. I say it all the time. Like I got, a, I got a college degree at Cal Poly and I got a master's degree in football at Fresno State. So I learned from Pat Hill and Drew Hill, who's now the personnel, basically the GM of Oklahoma. He was there with Bob Stoops. He's there with Lincoln Riley. And now he's there at Brett Venables on what to look for in talented players. And Pat had obviously been taught by Belichick. Now, when I got to the Eagles, you know, I, I learned a lot from just watching our own team and then studying a lot of the league and, you know, just learning through, you know, just time evaluating and, and watching players. And then specifically, you know, we are looking for this. Like, you're just very like, we need to find a tall corner, right? And then you just know, like, you know, Coach Reed, I'd say he's pretty open-minded when it comes to talent right he take Terrell Owens he would take Deshaun Jackson he take Tyreek Hill he take Travis Kelsey. he take Frank Clark he would take the honey badger like Cy, like he just wants sweet players so i you know I was just looking for talented guys it wasn't like you know it's only the New York Giants they only do 6 foot 5 defensive linemen it, w- it wasn't like that with him it was much more open like we we were pretty open right if th- we thought the guy could play we were interested so you just learn through time spending around, you have to work at it. You got to watch a lot of tape, which you do anyway. Uh, I think what really helped is when you first get in the NFL, you spend so much time watching the fringe guys so you get a good idea of like what a practice squad guy looks like, what a backup offensive lineman looks like, what a what a, you know, special teams player looks like. That is more important like my my mom can tell you Tyreek Hill or you know Nick Bosa is awesome. Right, it's like oh, you know, George Kittle can play, DK Metcalf can run. Like, yeah, no shit. But can you figure out like what a good third linebacker looks like? And you just naturally get that by evaluating preseason film, rosters. So it it, it does just take some time. Like, you can only learn what's playing in the NFL by watching what's playing in the NFL. And as a scout, like you got to watch a ton of film. So like my my buddies that have been in the league for a decade plus, like. They've watched every player come into the draft for a decade and they evaluate pro film constantly. So they just know exactly what it looks like from star players to middle of the road players to backup players to fringe players to practice squad guys to guys that aren't NFL players. You have to understand that before you can know what you're looking for with your own team. I'd say my biggest influences. I mean, just being watching the way Pat Hill and Andy Reid, you know, built teams and just I, I, you know, I'm I'm an I view myself as an offensive guy. I'm very confident with offensive players because when I got to Fresno State, we had sweet offensive guys, and when I got to the Eagles, we had sweet offensive guys. <laughs> you know, so I I just I feel I know offense pretty well. You know, I don't I'm not a great DB guy. Uh, I mean, I can tell you Ed Reed or Kyle Hamilton's going to be good, but I can't you know break down corners. Regarding all three television shows, Paramount Plus, Yellowstone. I like Yellowstone. 1883, the mayor of Kingstown. I've seen Yellowstone see the mayor of Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown's fantastic. Jeremy Renner. um, Big Niner fan. I, I need to watch a couple more episodes of 1883. Spoiler alert, just watch the episode where the Faith and Tim's daughter's boyfriend, the dude she's sleeping with, gets shot. Question for the pod. I'm a lifelong Bills fan, and there's been chatter about possibly of adding Gronk to the roster. How do you think that would go over in the locker room when we consider the vicious cheap shot he put on our best cornerback, Tredavious White, back in 17? I think it's part of the NFL. I mean, guys move teams. Sometimes you fight a guy or do something cheap, and then a couple years later, your teammates with him. Remember, Trent Williams once socked Richard Sherman in the face, and then they became teammates and loved each other. You know why I think Tredavious White and Gronk would like each other? They're both good. They're both trying to win a ring. I, I think it would be fine. I think fans make a bigger deal over that than, you know, the players would. Now, Tredavious White, I, I don't, you know, maybe he truly hates Gronk. Maybe he would not want that. I would imagine McDermott would ask, and they would know. For a good show, check out the Boys on Amazon if you haven't already. It's about superheroes in the real world where capitalism and egos make the absolute assholes. Make them absolute assholes. It just came out that Jimmy G needs shoulder surgery. And we'll, thro- we'll be throwing again in July. Will this hurt his trade value? Of course. Big time. He can't practice in OTAs. So if you're the Steelers, if you're the Broncos, and you're interested in getting this guy, you know, it just makes it very, very complicated. I don't, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I would be very, very hesitant to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, at least a lot. I mean, I, I'd give a six-round pick, but he can't throw till July. Can't throw to July. Are we sure that'll be ready in July? She'd be like, oh, you'll be fine. How often do we hear that? Oh, will be good to go. You know, just a little surgery. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Jimmy G's on pup. We got a problem. So I would say it dramatically influences his uh his trade value. A lot of other questions. What I'm gonna do is if I don't answer you personally, I'm gonna probably save some of them for the uh for the weekend mailbag. That's what we'll do. We'll put them on the weekend mailbag. And uh and yeah, just keep rocking and rolling. Appreciate everyone listening. Hopefully you guys are having a good week. Should be a crazy week with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, there's a lot going to happen in the next couple of days. So by the time that we talk on Friday, going to be a lot of moving parts. You like golf? Going to be a big golf podcast on Wednesday. We got the Players Championship. Uh, I, I'm going to make a massive bet on John Rahm. Sobel will have his betting picks. Follow at GoloPod if you like golf. Uh, you can get in the that mailbag there. And yeah, so can't wait. Big week. We got players' championship. We got NFL free agency. March Madness right around the corner. I I realize I love March. March is just, and then we go to March Madness, the Final Four, then Augusta, then the draft. You know, if, if football, if there are gonna be no football games on TV. This is a pretty good time of year. It's hard to beat. So baseball, you better not go away for long because i promise you, no one's gonna miss you. And I love baseball. I'm one of those millennials that likes baseball, but. I'll promise you, no one's missing you right now besides like 70-year-old guys. Uh, Talk soon, and uh, may the peace be with you. Adios!
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the active cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at WellsFargo.com/slash active cash. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
0: This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History